0: choose to be humble, or we can be compelled to be humble. Alma said, blessed are they who humble themselves without being compelled to be humble. Let us choose to be humble. We can choose to humble ourselves by conquering enmity toward our brothers and sisters, esteeming them as ourselves, and lifting them as high or higher than we are. We can choose to humble ourselves by receiving counsel and chastisement. We can choose to humble ourselves by forgiving those who have offended us. We can choose to humble ourselves by rendering selfless service. We can choose to humble ourselves by going on mission and preaching the word that can humble others. We can choose to humble ourselves by getting to the temple more frequently. We can choose to humble ourselves by confessing and forsaking our sins and being born of God.
1: Aloha, welcome to LDS Real People, Real Lives podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin and I am your host, Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And if you're new, welcome. As I've been pondering and really trying to meditate on the topics that, um, as I prayerfully consider what to talk about, what's going to benefit my listeners the most, and what's going to help you continue on that straight and narrow path to reinforce and edify the faith that you've built. um, As I was really kind of noticing what's going on in the world right now pride just struck me when you're on social media there's people the way that they talk to each other the comments that they leave and i'm guilty of it too um because i too have emotions and get caught up in those emotions sometimes um you know the the posts and the way that we talk to each other i just it really struck me this week how much pride we all have um and i'm not saying that um everyone's guilty of it of course I don't know everybody but it just seems like there's just a lot of pride in the world today and of course social media makes it so easy for us to all be connected um, on a global scale and what I'm seeing more and more is neighbors having uh, contention with other neighbors and having disagreements and things just going down and pettiness the things that they do on social media to get back at each other and yet you see the all thousands of likes sometimes they have millions of likes and um, I just can't like something that is being so harmful to somebody else and yet I get why people of the world think it's funny I understand that but when we talk about people like us who are actively engaged in the gospel of Jesus Christ Um, We see what it is and how harmful it is, especially at the expense of others. And um, then, of course, pride within our own families as we deal with uh, familial relationships and things that are going on. The pride that inevitably creeps up in those situations and circumstances that just makes things harder and more difficult. Um, So I thought that I would go ahead and talk about pride this week, but also encompass justice and mercy. I listened to a podcast. I know he also has a YouTube channel called the unshaken saints. His name is Jared Halverson and he one week, um, he likes to prove the contraries. And he talked about the contraries of mercy and justice. And so it really kind of got me on a path of, of looking for scriptures and stories in the scriptures of where Heavenly Father or Christ or both are talking to their people and um, talking about justice. And then, of course, talking about mercy and how those two um, kind of roll out in their lives, the circumstances, and the situations they find themselves in. I think the most um, prominent one that's in my mind right now is in the book of Jacob, in the book of Mormon, chapter 2, when Jacob is talking to his people as as the prophet of the Lord. And then I believe also it's Doctrine and Covenant, section 63, when the Lord is talking to the earlier saints as they're restoring the gospel here on earth. And, um, you know, those who are keeping the commandments versus those who are not keeping the commandments. So, in scriptural terms, justice is the unchanging law that brings consequences for actions. And because of the law of justice, we receive blessings when we obey God's commandments. And the law of justice also demands that a penalty be paid for every sin that we commit. So I like to focus on the blessings of the gospel teachings, and we know that when we are uh, obedient, that there are consequences associated with the law that we keep. Um, But then of course, there's always the side of justice that demands that there be a consequence for a sin as well. And that's when we have the savior, Jesus Christ, who carried out the infinite atonement He took our sins upon Himself and He was able to answer the ends of the law because He subjected Himself to the penalty that the law required for our sins. And in doing so, He satisfied the demands of justice and extended mercy to everyone who repents and follows Him. Because He has paid the ultimate price for our sins, we will not have to suffer that punishment. But there's a caveat, we must repent. As I mentioned earlier, Doctrine and Covenants section 63, in verses 13 through 19, the Lord talks about the adulterous in heart. Will deny the faith and the consequence will be that they will be cast into the lake of fire. In verse 13, the Lord teaches, I have given commandments and many have turned away from my commandments and have not kept them. And then we move on into verse 14. He tells the saints that some of those who have turned away, have left the church while others remain, and he will reveal them to the saints. So he's going to reveal those who have turned away, that have remained in the church, um, to the saints who are steadfast and faithful. Then in verse 15 is a warning to repent and ask for forgiveness of their sins. Otherwise, the people will see them for who they are, and that is what they will be known for. Their disobedience and unwillingness to repent and right themselves with God. And then the Lord goes on in verse 16 to teach about chastity and the consequences of not keeping the law of chastity. And the teaching here is simple. Disobey and commit acts contrary to the Lord. The inevitable consequence is that the Spirit withdraws from you. So how does one receive revelation if the Spirit's left? We don't. And the inevitable darkness of sin encroaches upon our minds and heart to be darkened and hardened away from the God. Of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And when this happens, fear of the world, life, circumstance seeps in, and we all know what happens when we have the spirit of fear. It invites uneasiness. Oftentimes, one may feel as if they have no foundation and are floundering with desperation. And through this desperation, we tend to do things we would otherwise not do. No wonder the scriptures are filled with teachings, examples, and then warnings that are very clear. God does everything he can to save us, to collect us, to bring us back home. And this also includes warnings and hearkenings. A hearkening is an urgent command to listen. Are we listening Then in verses 17 and 18, we are clearly taught the rewards of all those who sin in these egregious ways without repentance. It says in 17, wherefore I, the Lord, have said that the fearful and, and the unbelieving and all liars and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie and the whoremonger and the sorcerer shall have their part in that lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death verily i say that they shall not have part in the first resurrection so the lord is always very very clear about the consequences of whether or not we choose to obey or to disobey as he continues to collect us he is also always teaching us right from wrong and he does it so clearly so simply that even a child can understand so this last week um being on instagram a lot that's mainly where i do a lot of my podcast um putting quotes out and and just like posts that have to do with the episode in particular or things that maybe struck me that day and um there are people who i call antis and they're the ones that have been in the church or been in the faith and left for some reason and there's a few of them who are actively engaged on instagram um pushing back against the church it's almost as if they feel like it's their personal job to save us from the patriarchy of the church here on earth and all of these things that they are teaching us that are wrong and misleading and it's just that's what really tries my patience is people who do that and i say to them if you left the church why don't you leave why are you still here Why are you using LDS hashtags so we can see all of your nonsense on Instagram? Most of the time I choose not to engage because we know that contention is of the devil. Um, However, we have been charged to defend the faith, but to do it peaceably, but defend it nonetheless. That has been very difficult for me to figure out is that line of what is appropriate and what's not appropriate because the antis will always go below the belt. They will always cross the line. There are no boundaries of decency Um, because, you know, we have these scriptures that teach us that when you've been given knowledge and truth and you've been received a testimony from the spirit of God, which is the Holy ghost. And then you turn your back on it, your mind and your heart goes dark and you become hardened And I think it's this process of darkness and the hardening of the heart that they just feel that they have to attack. Um, Now, I left the gospel when I was 17, but I didn't leave the gospel because I didn't believe in it. I knew that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is found in the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints is the Church of Christ here on earth. I knew it was true, and I knew it's the one and only church that belongs to Jesus Christ with the one true baptism under the one true authority of the priesthood. I left because my life was not falling in lines with in line with the Gospel standards, and anyone who knows that's tried to li- ride the line between living the Gospel and and living in the world, it will drive you mad. And that's what it was doing to me. Um, but I also, f- there were a number of reasons why I stopped going to church. Um, and I think inevitably as any person that kind of leaves high school, they want to figure out life to some extent on their own. Um, I was very stubborn and wanted to do things in my own way. But you know, I look back on that now. And because of my upbringing, the things that had transpired in my life, um, it really made me kind of dysfunctional. And um, I think we're all dysfunctional at that age to a certain extent. Um, But the point being is that I always knew that the church was true. I did not leave because I felt like I was hornswoggled or my parents controlled me and made me get baptized. My parents never made me feel that I didn't have a choice. I always had a choice. Um, I do understand that there's a culture sometimes within the church where... Um, uh, children become adults and they feel like they were never given a choice, that they were forced into doing this. I do believe in unrighteous dominion. I've seen it happen within my own family and other families where people use the gospel to control others. And that's definitely not Christ-like, and it's definitely not of God. That I completely do not agree with. Um, But I do know for me and myself that the church is true. Now, When we live the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, this is a lifestyle, this is an everyday, we're so proactive at it. And you have to be, you have to act, you have to be constantly engaged and all in. So when you have people coming out and they're railing against your faith, your church, and the things that you hold precious and dear, Sometimes it can be really hard, especially with me doing this podcast. I get some of the weirdest messages sometimes, and I have people leave some of the craziest comments on my posts. Um, I get strange emails, and I get people who are angry and mad at the church or a particular apostle or prophet or whatever offense that they have taken, and they seem to feel like they can just take it all out on me. Um, I've learned in the last year or so how to handle these types of situations, which is hard for me because I do have a temper and I can be provoked. This is one thing that I'm working on right now is learning to not be so easily provoked because I can't do the Lord's work if I'm so easily provoked. And these people provoke me, unfortunately. Um, so I'm really trying to learn right now how to defend the faith peaceably and i I have been shocked and appalled by the links that these people go to um, to discredit the church and talking about sacred things that we know that we're not supposed to talk about outside the temple. And they sling it around. I guess you could liken it to, you know, the chastity issue. We know that the ability to create life is a divine blessing. Um, it's... Of divinity that we can create and multiply the earth and have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and what does the world do with that act it pollutes it it makes it gross and disgusting you know through movies uh, music pornography even when people just simply go out to you know bars and things and they treat it so carelessly um, And I've been guilty of that as well. Um, A lot of self-sabotage can happen when we um, are promiscuous and do things that are not of the Lord. And it really, really harms ourselves and our spirit in particular. And um, I did decide to engage with this one account in particular who continues to use LDS hashtags. I know that I cannot reason with this person. I know that this person is not going to... It's just like with politics. Everybody seems to be stuck in their political leanings. And it's like nobody can sway another person. And everybody is just kind of divided. And that's, of course, what we see with the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. And what I found at the end of all things, because when you leave these comments online, that doesn't mean that it ends there at that moment in time. Eventually, someone else is going to come along and decide that they want to say things, and you've you're already done with it. and lo and behold, there it is again to be addressed once more. And so the spirit of just ugliness would not leave me, and uh, I didn't like it. It was a very uncomfortable feeling. it was not something that I enjoyed. Um, and so I had to stop, even though these people were telling me horrible things. They were saying horrible things about me, my faith, the people that I cherish, the prophet, um, the apostles talking about the garments, talking about, you know, sacred temple stuff. Um, I mean, it truly is evil and disgusting. And it reminds me of just like kind of those, uh, an example would be, you know, when you're on the playground, when you were in school and you always had that group of kids that was kind of grouped together looking for ways to harass or bully somebody else that, um, that's kind of the way I see these people is they're huddled in the corner and they're looking for ways to harass and bully us, those who are active in the gospel. And, um, so again, you know, we're taught to defend the faith and to defend it peaceably, but we need to be very careful that we're not putting ourselves in a situation that um, can affect our spirit and our ability to continue to live the gospel to maintain that ground of faith that we built and to continue to nurture it and grow it. Um and I'm not going to lie when I was having these conversations with these people, you know, there was a lot of pride there. Um I love the gospel. I love my savior. And I have testimonies about a lot of the gospel. And that's been acquired through experience and diligent studying and seeking and doing all the things that we're encouraged to do. Um, But that pride was misplaced, and it was used in a way that was contentious. And at that point, I recognized is when I allowed the adversary to have some influence over me because I chose to do these things. So I had to pull back, and I had to hit my knees and ask Heavenly Father, to forgive me, to have me, to help me have a spirit of peace and just to let these things go. There's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people out there who are going to put down the church, who are going to put down everything that we do and work so hard for and the things that we cherish the most. It's just the way it is. There has to be opposition in all things. And that's why the earth was created, was to be that opposition. Everything in the world is pretty much the complete opposite of what the gospel teaches us. And so we must focus on what's good in the world, what's beautiful in the world, because the world was also created by Jesus Christ. Um, Going back to section 63 in verse 19, it says, and now behold, I, the Lord say unto you that ye are not justified because these things are among you. And this hit me so powerfully Look around you. Look at all that is being done and how others are living and behaving and the things that people say and do. The boundaries that no longer exist in civilized society, a lot of those boundaries are blurred now or are entirely gone. And the Lord is telling us, even if others are doing things which are unrighteous, we are never justified in doing it ourselves. Because it's being done by most of the world or community or country does not justify that we do it ourselves and that we set that example and that we break our covenants. And then after all of this has been stated and taught, and we have been brought back into remembrance, the Lord follows up with hope and love, as is the pattern of divinity, love, admonish, and love some more. In verse 20 it says, Nevertheless, he that endureth in faith and doeth my will, the same shall overcome, and shall receive an inheritance upon the earth when the day of transfiguration shall come. But unto him that keepeth my commandments I will give the mysteries of my kingdom, and the same shall be in him a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. We want and need this well of living water, which is Him. Even our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who has given us all and has died for us. He is truly the Savior of the world, the Savior for you and me. We hear these words a lot, don't we? We need to really soak these words in and lay hold upon these words. But unto him that keepeth my commandments, I will give the mysteries of my kingdom. Think about that. Look up the definitions of these words. And the same shall be in him a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. These are huge, massive promises that give us so much hope and they encourage us to be obedient, which obedience blesses our lives, anyways. And does God really need our obedience in the sense that He loves us and wants us to return home? Yes. But this obedience, who does it ultimately bless? It blesses you. It blesses me. It blesses us, our families, our communities, our world. He is an unselfish God. He is an unselfish king. He wants us to have that joy he speaks of continuously. And that joy that can only come from obedience and a true desire to be obedient, to want to live the way of the Lord because we have gained a testimony of the joy found within this way of living, this way of life. The Lord always shows us a holier and higher way of living. He always will show us the way to pure and utter joy and peace, for this is His character. So how does pride play into this? We've heard often that pride is the downfall of man, and in the dictionary it defines pride as a feeling of being better than others or a sense of superiority can we have pride in our children can we have pride in ourselves i think we can we can find pleasure in our children and in ourselves and the things that we accomplish and do the kind of pride that comes from being pleased of behavior accomplishments and our particular acts that's fine the pride i am talking about that is the downfall of man and woman is the kind of pride that puts one above another who would oppress others because they have more or believe they know more They're all-knowing and all-wise, therefore they can't be submissive or even submit to a higher authority because with pride there is godly justice if we do not repent of said pride. I know there have been times in my life that I was very prideful, especially when I was younger. The most interesting lesson that we learn as we age is how much we do not know while the younger me felt I knew everything and no one could tell me otherwise. There were times that I was so prideful in my job or raising my kids or even in myself that that very pride became what harmed those I cherished the most, like my children, like my family, or even myself. I do believe that selfish pride has hurt me the most as it has made me a late bloomer to all that is good and righteous. You see, it's hard to learn anything of truth when you believe you know it all. After all, no one can tell me anything I don't know or understand because I know everything. The one I hurt the most was myself. I remember when I decided to leave my first husband. Boy, was I young and arrogant. Sure, the relationship was hard and difficult. What relationship isn't? Yes, there was violence and abuse. One of the biggest reasons I left was because... I found my very young children, who were babies at the time, hiding in our shower, cowering in the corner, as their father and myself raged on in the living room with words and fists. When I told their father to leave, I thought I had it all handled and thought out properly. I thought I knew what I was doing and we would be better off for it. I truly believed that what I was doing was the right thing and the kids would not miss their dad because they were young. They wouldn't know what it was like to have him around anyways i told myself that i could make up for both roles mother and father and as the years ticked on i was sadly mistaken what i found is i didn't know squat i didn't understand that i was switching out one set of problems for another that the biggest wake-up call is how much the state is involved in the rearing of your children when you decide to get a divorce and there was suffering with either path You see, I was so arrogant that I truly believed I could make up the difference of what they would lack and having a father around. Looking back, hindsight always being crystal clear it seems, I made the right decision. Our relationship was very toxic for us and the children, and we were so young and naive. Because of our choices, because we put the cart before the horse, so to speak, and having kids before committing to each other, The natural consequences followed, and the kids weren't immune to those consequences. They suffered right alongside us. And this takes me back to the book of Jacob in the book of Mormon, chapter 2. Jacob is the prophet after Nephi died, and he addresses his people at the behest of the Lord, who sees their wickedness and calls upon Jacob to talk to them plainly about their wickedness and to call them unto repentance. And in verse 31 of Jacob chapter 2, it says, For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow, and heard the mourning of the daughters of my people in the land of Jerusalem, yea, and in all the lands of my people, because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands. And I will not suffer, saith the Lord of hosts, that the cries of the fair daughters of thy people, which I have led out of the land of Jerusalem, shall come up unto me against the men of my people, saith the Lord of the hosts. We are responsible for those that suffer because of our sinfulness, because of our own pride, because of our unwillingness to submit ourselves to Christ and God Almighty. We will answer for those that suffer in our name because we were not meek, humble, teachable, repentant, and submissive to God. There is no escape except repentance. In D&C, section 19, verse 15, it says, This is actually verses 15 through 18. Therefore, I command you to repent. Repent, lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth, and by my wrath, and by my anger, and your sufferings be sore. How sore you know not! How exquisite you know not! Yea, how hard to bear you know not! That was totally me when I left my first husband. I was completely clueless. Verse 16, For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer, even as I. Which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain, and to bleed at every pore, and to suffer both body and spirit, and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Have you experienced this because of your pride, because of your unwillingness to repent? I know I have. I've experienced it several times in my life, but it's through that suffering. It's through that pain that humbled me and helped me to be submissive to God. It is in the love of such purity, such majesty, and such divinity that we can be forgiven of the most egregious sins and heart the heart can be mended. Through the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is infinite, our Father in heaven has provided the only way for us to be forgiven of our sins. Jesus Christ suffered the penalty for our sins, so we can be forgiven if we will sincerely repent. As we repent and rely on his saving grace, we will be cleansed from sin. What greater gift could we be given? repentance is sometimes a painful process but it leads to forgiveness and lasting peace it is that refiner's fire moment through the prophet isaiah the lord said though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool In this dispensation the lord has promised he who has repented of his sins the same is forgiven and i the lord remember them no more he forgives us and he forgets the sin how beautiful is the plan of happiness and salvation how much love is demonstrated through these verses we know the scriptures are the word of god it is that very mercy that answers the demands of justice but there is a caution If you lean too much to the side of justice, we must temper it with mercy. If you lean too much to the side of mercy, we must temper it with justice. We each have our own paths to walk during this time on earth. It is up to you and the personal revelation that you seek about your situation to find that balance without judgment from others, as it's quite simply none of their business. We tend to judge each other too much without merit, and even then, too harshly. Remember that judgment is mine, saith the Lord. Let us allow one another the room and space to figure out our own unique paths and support each other on the path home. If there is recompense to be made, allow the space and time to do that. Remember the wisdom of the serenity prayer to understand what is within your control, and that which is not within your control. Let's give one another breathing room to figure out our paths home while we love, support, and encourage one another on in all righteousness. Thank you so much for joining me once again this week. I love you guys. You're always so supportive. I love hearing from you. So remember, you can DM me on Instagram at LDSRPRLpodcast or you can reach out to me on email at LDS. Real people, real lives, that's plural, LDS real people, real lives at gmail.com. I have partnered with several people and we are at spiritualcrusade.com. You can find my website at spiritualcrusade.com forward slash LDS real people, real lives podcast. We are a group of LDS members who are shining our light together. So that those who are in the world and ready to see and ready to hear can come, come to the website. It's a one-stop shop for all of those who are looking for edification, uplifting, who are looking for knowledge. There's come follow me information on there. There's also a ponderizing um, information on there. Just come and check out the account spiritualcrusade.com forward slash LDS, real people, real lives podcast. And there's also ideas for lessons and talks on there too. It's a cool website, but of course, the org is the website for the church. And then we're doing as we've been asked by our apostles and prophet to utilize technology to reach out to the world as this is the final and last gathering. My hope is to work with those who are already in the faith to keep you squarely on that straight and narrow path to that tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. With much love, many blessings, and a lot of hope, please remember to be kind for everyone you meet as fighting a hard battle. God bless, and until next week, stay true and stay faithful.